You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at NolaJake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, a game day for the Pelicans as they face the Phoenix Suns. We'll talk about that briefly in the third segment. That's really not one we need to go into a great deal of depth on. In the second segment, I've been talking with Seth Dunlap, host of double coverage over on WWL Radio. You may know him as the guy that likely pissed you off saying Anthony Davis needs much more criticism. We dive into that topic and clarify that a little bit and just kind of look at the Pelicans in a general sense from a fan perspective, from an expectations perspective, and it's a very interesting conversation. So don't just get mad at him. Listen to that first and then maybe spark the outrage after that. And then in the beginning here, we're going to look at the standings, recap some of the games from last night, the scores there, how they impact impact the Pels as well. Let's talk about the new signing. Yeah, someone's coming back for the stretch run for the playoffs. And I'm going to say if it's a good move or not, especially in the wake of the Ian Clark injury. So we'll cover all of that and everything else I just talked about in today's Locked On Pelicans. So big news of the day, the Pelicans are bringing back Jordan Crawford in the wake of Ian Clark hurting his ankle. Clark's going to be out 5 to 10 days, so basically the rest of the regular season should put him right around the start of the NBA playoffs should the Pels make it. Let's not jinx it and get ahead of ourselves here. So you need a guy who kind of can re- replicate what Clark brings to the table, and particularly with that second unit. When he's out there and he's running it, which we've seen a lot more recently and we've seen him as a spot starter as well, but running that second unit... This was largely the only guy out there who could kind of create his own offense, create his own shot, play make off the dribble, off the bounce. And it sets up some of those other guys. You know, Czech Diallo needs someone to do that for him. It's not like he's going to go run the court. He's big. That's not how it works here. And the other shooters that are out there, say, in Darius Miller, need someone to get them the ball for that open three-point shot after some creation is done. So losing Ian Clark really does hurt the second unit, particularly when you got to almost win out here, maybe one loss, over these final four games. So getting a guy in to replace him was of vital importance for the Pels. Larry Drew the second, you know, was ex- it was an expiring on that 10-day that Pelicans chose not to sign him for the remainder of the season. There's no surprise there. You know, the reason, and so there's no surprise there, so they bring in Jordan Crawford, who kind of does his Ian Clark impression, and who, you know, is maybe at times a little bit better, maybe a higher ceiling than Ian Clark, when Crawford gets going. The Instant Grits nickname came about last year because he was just creating instant offense off the bench for the Pelicans, and was dubbed as such by Alvin Gentry. Don't forget, he was here earlier on in the season. He played just two games here before being waived back in, you know, late, early to late October, early to late, mid to late October, when the Pelicans really needed another point guard and had to bring in Rajon uh, with the Rajon Rondo injury and brought in, um, as I'm blanking on um, Jameer Nelson's name. There we go. 
And they needed to stabilize that point guard rotation. That might have saved the Pelicans, you know, playoff asses here a little bit. So, you know, at the time that move made sense. Uh, the number one question I've gotten since then is, well, has Crawford been playing? And yeah, of course he's playing. He's not just on the sticks playing NBA 2K. This is a guy I'm sure was working out, staying in shape. You know, was Emeka Okafor playing necessarily? Kinda, but not really at times in the G League too. So this is a move that's fine. He'll provide that instant offense. If he can get hot from three, that's definitely a good thing. Maybe add some more shooting here. Um, and then with Ian Clark out, at least you have some insurance for the playoffs. And again, you know, when you get into the playoffs, if that bench just goes cold, just freaking toss Crawford out there and just let him do his thing and see if you can get kind of a spark from that. So good move for the Pels. I think everyone likes to see this. It'll be kind of fun having him back here. And he should be available tonight against Phoenix. So with the Pelicans off last night, I know people like myself were scoreboard watching and things kind of maybe went the Pelicans way. Starting with the first game, Indiana beat Golden State. That's not ideal for the Pels. Everyone needs to rest for Golden State when the Pelicans play them on Saturday. And now with Golden State having like a kind of rough end to the season, I think you're going to see them play their guys and try and get in a bit of a rhythm and try and just get some momentum heading into the playoffs. Even though they know they're going to win their first round series, they don't want to go in kind of on, you know, like a five and five stretch, anything like that. And, you know, now they're sitting at 57 wins. I have no doubt they really would like 60 wins. So having them try and win out is probably on this team's mind to kind of keep their streak, their record, and build some momentum going into the playoffs. So you'd almost have liked to see Golden State win there, but hey, Indiana's done the Pelicans some favors recently-ish, so I guess we can allow them a win and help their playoff seeding chances. Then you had Houston beating Portland 96-94. That was a finish um, in the game that, you know, James Harden didn't shoot or play particularly well in. However, this is interesting for the Pels because it knocks Portland down. And we'll look at the standings next. And while they're still likely the three seed and almost locked in there, it's not 100%. So you have to figure they're not going to rest guys. They're going to keep playing guys, which is good because of Portland's upcoming schedule. You almost want them to win out at this point. The two biggest games for the Pels on the night were much later. You had Utah smoking the Clippers 117 to 95. That Jazz team, as I've been saying, is very good. This puts the Jazz in the four seed. They're 46 and 33. The Pelicans are just a game and a half behind them and can make up half a game tonight and stay just one back of the four. So there's still an outside chance of the Pelicans getting home court advantage after the way things kind of shook out last night. But again, it's an outside chance. Utah has been playing really good basketball recently, and it's tough to see them not finishing in that spot. And in the final game, you had Denver barely beaten out Minnesota 100-96, to a game that then puts the Pelicans in the seventh spot instead of eight. Now with Minnesota a half game back and one game back in the loss column. But Denver's still hot on the heels of everyone, too. They're only a half game back of the Pels for that seven or eight spot. And they're tied with Minnesota for eight, but the tiebreaker goes to Minnesota uh, as of today to keep in Denver out. So the way the standings shake out is you've got Portland at three, uh, Utah at four, two games behind them. San Antonio at five, a game behind Utah for the fourth seed. Oklahoma City's tied with San Antonio record-wise, but the tiebreakers don't go their way. They're also 45-34, and they're a game back of the fourth seed. New Orleans is 44-34. and They are a half game back of the fifth and sixth seed. So right now, holding the tiebreakers over all of them, should they win tonight, 
and I don't know if San Antonio or Oklahoma City are playing. I haven't looked. Puts them actually in the fifth seed uh, if they win. So that's a big thing. And then right behind New Orleans, Minnesota is eight. Um, just a half game back there. And Denver only just a half game back of New Orleans as well. So again, a win for the Pels tonight puts them a uh, game clear of being out of the playoffs, of being in the eighth seed. So a good thing. Things kind of broke that way. I think the big thing here is... You know, maybe you'd like to have seen Denver lose to Minnesota and just give the Pelicans more breathing room for the playoffs, particularly with this Saturday game against Golden State looming where they still might lose. I'm a little bit nervous about all of this, but you've got to factor in kind of the upcoming schedule for things as well. So we'll see how it all breaks out, but a little bit nerve-wracking here, and this really might come down to the final day of the regular season. Before we get into the interview with Seth Dunlap, last minute push for a Vox and the Hound show. Don't forget they do the intro music and their lead guitarist, Roy Calais, is one of the writers over at LockedOnPelicans.com. They're playing with Roar, R-O-A-R, in all caps, at One-Eyed Jacks in the French Quarter tonight. Covers $12 and Vox should go on around 10 o'clock. It's a lot of fun. One-Eyed Jacks is also a really good venue. Vox and the Hound is a pretty fun band to go see. Also, just go support local indie music, indie artists. That's a great thing. So make sure if you got some time, check them out at One-Eyed Jacks in the French Quarter tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Also, it's WrestleMania and French Quarter is usually pretty interesting. Go do some people watching. Go support local indie music. And joining me now on Locked on Pelicans, I get to turn the tables on this dude. This is Seth Dunlap of WWL Radio, host of Double Coverage, 8 to 11, Monday through Friday. You can follow him on Twitter, at Seth Dunlap. Seth, this is the first. I get to be the one asking you questions now. <laughs> I know. You know what? I'm, I'm a little bit uh, confused. I don't know what's going on here. I'm a little nervous. Uh, yeah, you've, you've completely turned the tables on me, and I think you owe me a whole bunch of stuff here. So, uh, well, I'll invite on. you to the Locked On Pelicans green room where we have snacks and things to, to give away uh, <laughs> so, at some point. So, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're going to call it. It's the Locked On Pelicans lounge. It's a thing now. It's a party, uh, and it's a lot of fun. So, uh, The bird's nest? The bird's nest or something? I don't know. That, there we go. Green room, yeah. bird's nest. So I have, I don't know. We've already like gone off the rails here in the beginning. I like it. So, okay, but here's here's the thing that people if people don't know you and me, we always go off the rails. This like, is anytime we, we do don't anything. even know what we talk about. So yeah, some like, background. We're just talking about Fortnite and stuff. Yeah, Seth and I are good friends in like real life. I don't just happen to go on his radio show. We hang out. We game together. We go drinking a lot at times together. So it's <laughs> it's like never you could just put us talking things. And it's like, okay, so let's cover the topic of the day and just leave it at that. That's not how this goes. But you did kind of create a topic earlier in the week talking about Anthony Davis. And if he gets the, the let's call it the right amount of criticism and you, you came out on the side, I think, that rubbed Pelicans fans a little bit the wrong way. But, and I talked about oh. this uh, on the podcast. I don't think you're wrong, necessarily. Yeah. Well, let's just say the past four to five days, I certainly have not been a popular person, as you probably know, in the Pelicans blogosphere and message boards and Twitter. But I stand by what I said. I really do. Here's what I saw. And, again, I feel like I shouldn't have to say this, but I'm going to say it again. I love Anthony Davis as a player. I think he is, if he's not the best player right now in the NBA the last two to three months, he's certainly number two or number three. He's right there and certainly on pace to be the best player in the world. He's an immense talent. He's a very good guy off the court. You know, there's no controversy surrounding him. 
I love the guy, and I hope he stays here for a while. The problem that I had, here's my argument. I don't think that our fan base here and some members of the media are holding him accountable enough, and it kind of reared its ugly head after the game, really against Cleveland last week. When he goes 6 of 19, 16 points, you know, just wasn't the AD that we're used to, right? Especially in, to that point, probably their biggest game of the year. And then all I saw afterwards on the message boards, Twitter, social media, were people blasting Drew, blasting Gentry, everybody else. And I wrote a couple of things saying, hey, are we going to hold Anthony Davis accountable here? And the backlash, bro, was fierce was fierce and I'm thinking well this doesn't make any sense it's not Alvin Gentry's fault that your superstar player goes six of 19 and scores 16 points in a game that they really needed to have so that's the kind of accountability that I'm talking about it's not that he's not a great player we don't realize that but I think it's okay to criticize him when he has a bad performance again in a critical game like that so it's not an indictment on his career and I just think it's gotten to a point of absurdity here, if I'm being honest, in our local fan base, because I don't see this with any other superstar in the NBA. And yeah, I was real fired up about it. I did a whole show on it, wrote a blog about it. And I know everybody listening, I know most of you didn't agree and weren't happy, but I, Jake, I kind of stand by what I, what I said. Hey, we're bringing you on to defend yourself here a little bit. But so going back to that Cleveland game, you said he was six of 19. And I forget if it was 13 or 16 of those 19 shots were outside of the paint. That's not ideal. You know, Davis raised his level of play slightly higher than we'd ever seen it. And I think this is partially kind of based off like whatever your expectations are of him. And he raised most people's expectations during that 10 game winning streak. And all of a sudden wasn't playing up to that level. And so the question is then what's going on. And we need to talk about this and you're right. It's not ever just going to be Gentry's fault, which a lot of fans want to make it out to be or Dell Demps's fault. There's blame all around in every loss to go, you know, for, for multiple people. Yeah. And the other, the other part of the, you know, and I really dove into this, uh, you know, during my article and on my show, Jake, I just thought the, I'm sure you've heard this argument that look, we don't want to, we don't want to make Anthony Davis angry. Like if we criticize him, he might hear it and then he's going to bolt to LA or Miami or New York or anywhere else. And I, I think that is the, the craziest argument of them all because I, I hope and I think that they're going to have success until 2021, hopefully beyond. If he resigns here, I do. I think they're building something here to at least be on the fringes of contention. But right now you got to admit this, right? Like, his five years here, going on his sixth year, one playoff berth, no playoff wins, no success. And if that's all we get with Anthony Davis, that's not what I want, right? I, I just no, don't that's want a, to have that's this a failure superstar guy point. here. Yeah, it, yeah that's, a, I don't, that's a failure. I'm not, I'm, not okay with having, yeah, I'm not okay with having Anthony Davis here just so we can have some kind of weird social status by having you know the 23 jersey and saying, hey, Anthony Davis, one of the best players in the league, plays here. I don't want, I don't want that as a fan. I don't want that as a media member. I, I want accountability. And it's not just him. I understand that maybe as, as a city, because you know this is kind of a football town, maybe as a city we don't hold the Pelicans in general accountable enough to kind of a higher standard. And maybe that's why that they haven't been as successful as maybe they should have been since Anthony Davis has been drafted. Well, so with that, I think most people will put the, the, the blame of that like squarely at the feet of Dell Damps. And it's, it probably really is that's where it belongs to a degree because this roster around Anthony Davis has been terrible. And it's rare you see, unless you're a LeBron James level type athlete or type player, and there's only one of those in the league, where a guy carries you just that far. But 
to your point of it, Davis never really did take the Pelicans very far just by himself. I don't know if that has to do more with him being a big and he does, you know, you've got to get someone to get him the ball in the first place in, in kind of a guard and perimeter player driven league. But yeah, I think he definitely deserves some blame for his own lack of playoff success. The success being just not making it all because at a certain point you do have to at least get your team close to being in there. Yeah, no, look, I agree with everybody who says this is mostly Del Depp's fault for the way he's constructed this. I think if we're, if we're like laying blame for the past five years, uh, well, since Depp has been here, I think, you know, he's number one on that list. Maybe coaching number two, the players around him. Anthony Davis is way down on that list. I'm not trying to act like Anthony Davis. This is his fault what's happened the last five years. I mean, look what he's done the past couple months. He's just been bananas. He's been the best player in the league. But I also want to push back on some people who say, well, look at Anthony Davis here. He's not surrounded by any talent at all, and all the other superstars are. I kind of don't agree. I, I agree that there hasn't been a lot of talent here around him. That's completely valid, and I think that is Del Demp's fault for not surrounding him with it. But look at LeBron this year, Jake. Are we really oh, going to yeah. act like LeBron has been surrounded by a better roster markedly than what he has here, what Anthony Davis has here in New Orleans? I mean, we're talking about an injured Kevin Love, a me, Isaiah Thomas, who was traded away, uh, a washed-up uh, Dwayne Wade earlier. You know, uh, what, now we got uh, Jose Calderon and, and Jordan Clarkson, these guys, George Hill. I mean, are we really going to act like LeBron James is surrounded by a bunch of superstars No, there? not at all. So, and, you know, I mean, he's, held, he, he's held accountable. That, that Cleveland team's been a pile of garbage. And I think you're going to, in a weird way, see him ac- held accountable by the media when it comes to the MVP votes. You know, I think Harden's going to win it. I think Davis probably finishes two. And, you know, you look at LeBron James, James in the season he's having and the the wins enough that Cleveland has and you're like why why isn't he in the MVP conversation when he's putting up career numbers at his age and doing it like no one else ever has and it's because you look at them in January and December and it's my god that Cleveland team was an absolute dumpster fire for a period and even he wasn't able to get them to victories and I think you'll see him the self-proclaimed MVP which is what he said the other day not get votes for it so he get there is some accountability for him but I get what you're saying with everything and it's you know at a certain point it's you got to almost look introspectively at things and say like yeah maybe this is some of the reason yeah no and i also think that if anthony davis and this pelican team were in the eastern conference like maybe they geographically should be we're probably talking about a 48 to 50 win team on a top four seed so there's that working against you know ad in this franchise as well i know lebron james has had a softer landing over there so it's not really apples to apples and this isn't me trying to just you know have an anthony davis bash session again like I said at the top, like I have all the love for Anthony Davis on and off the court. Like he's not only an exceptional all world player, he's also such a, a good dude off the court by all accounts, which, you know, can be kind of rare. So, you know, I, I, I have all the love in the world. I just think that as a fan base, you know, I, I don't want this franchise to, for the next decade, continue to be one of the laughing stocks of the NBA. And I think it's, we can't expect, you know, Cowherd or, or Stephen A. Smith or these other national guys, we can't expect them to hold the Pelicans to that standard. we got to hold them to that championship-level standard here. And I realize it's going to be tough to win a title with the makeup of this Western Conference. But that doesn't mean they can't be kind of on the fringes of content, contention with the best, one of the three best players in the league, the best center in the league, one of the best defensive players and an all-star guard in Drew Holiday, right? Like, this is a team that should be at least on the fringes of contention while Anthony Davis is here.
Yeah, when all those guys are, I guess, healthy and playing at their peaks, which they had them for a little bit, this team looked like they could actually beat almost anyone in the league. You weren't likely going to beat Golden State or Houston in a seven-game series, but that wouldn't be a sweep all of a sudden, and I think that's what people were hoping for a lot of. So there's two things I want to touch on here with you because you you made some really good points. So what's considered then a success for this franchise during the tenure of Anthony Davis? I always look at Memphis as kind of maybe the the bar you want to hit. That was a team we knew never was going to win a title, but they got into the second round every year. They were a lot of fun to watch. They had a clear identity that kind of resonated with the people that they sold really well. Is that what you're looking for? Or does it need to go beyond that where it's like maybe if things break your way, you do get a title run? Yeah, can I make a a different analogy here? And I hope it doesn't work out the same way as it did for that franchise, but I go back way further. I want to talk about Orlando when Shaq was there, and he turned himself into the best big man in the league and an absolute superstar. And they were, yes, they got a couple of breaks when they made their run to the finals, but they actually made a, a run to the finals and were pretty close to winning the whole thing. I don't think it's a failure if they don't win a title when Anthony Davis is here. I mean, my goodness, we're talking about, you know, the best roster of players ever assembled in Golden State, and Houston is just ridiculous right now, and that doesn't look like it's going away the next few years. So it's not like title or bust here for this franchise, but I would like to see them consistently be a top-four seed, win playoff series. Like, not only – Jake, I mean, we're talking about this six years in now. Not only have they not won a playoff series, they haven't won a playoff game. So that, that it starts with winning some playoff series, and again – not titles necessarily, but at least being in that, you know, contention conversation, dark horse conversation where it's a lot of fun for the fans and everybody here locally. Yeah, you're in like the, the plus 500s to win a title instead of like the plus two or three thousands, maybe if you want to go with Vegas odds on it, where it's like, no, you're not a favorite, but, you, you know, you're, you're maybe six, seven or eighth in there. And that's not a bad thing. And that gets people engaged, and that's something we haven't really seen been the case. And I've talked a lot about fandom because I think it's a pretty interesting topic on here. But what do you think it's going to take for New Orleans to really throw its support behind this Pelicans team? Well, I think it's a couple of things. First, um, they're going to have to start winning more consistently. And like I said, win playoff games. I mean, winning breeds passion and breeds excitement. There's no doubt about that. And look, I'm going to point the fingers at ourselves here. Uh, In the media, I don't think, and look, I worked for – uh, a great station. Uh, we, we cover the Pelicans as best we can, but I think that the media in general here can cover the team a little more passionately uh, and a little better. I mean, we got an NBA franchise here. Uh, I think, you know, um, the, the uh, written publications, I think um, the, the television stations, the news, uh, news radio, sports radio, we can all do a better job of kind of fostering excitement around this team, but also being on this side of the mic, Jake, that's really hard to do. When you just have no track record of success and a lot of people aren't excited about the team. So it's kind of a catch 22. So I think it's winning. I think it's, it's the media getting behind this team. And then I think you'll see the fans kind of, kind of come in line. So it's a lot of things. It's not one magic pill. Like we're just going to snap our fingers. And if they win a playoff season, uh, playoff series against the jazz or something, now we're going to have sellouts for the next five years. It's going to, it's, it's a process. It's a big process. And you know what I was talking about on my program? Like everybody just forgets this, Jake. Golden State was the laughing stock of the Western Conference for a long time. Long, years before they and built years, and, like basically six years ago. Yes, and it was it wasn't just like oh five years you know they were seller dollars. It was twenty years of futility. So it can be done. It can be built. And you know maybe we're seeing something like that here again. I don't have a championship standard for this team, but I do think it starts with them actually having playoff success.
and uh, excitement in May and June. Yeah, it, and it's also, you, you mentioned it, it's consistency and not just one season of that because we saw them do that and then they fell flat on their face the next season in the first year under Alvin Gentry where they didn't make the playoffs after that pretty exciting playoff run even though they had that collapse in game three against Golden State and people got excited, they bought in, they bought season tickets and then this team was terrible the next year and people are going to look at that and be like, well, why did I waste my money? And I think one of the biggest questions I've had to me posed by casual fans, if you want to call them that this year is well should I really get emotionally invested or financially invested in this Pelicans team are they just going to do what they always do yeah no I'm look I that's where the the fan side of me I understand right like it's just a big bummer if you're taking your whole family to these games yes it's not nearly as expensive as like a Saints game it's very affordable but it is a big bummer if you take this out and they're just getting shelled uh getting shelled by the better teams in the league at home it's no fun especially you know it's it's not fun either when you have games like on Sunday when you have all this excitement and everybody's there. The city's really, really jazzed about this, the biggest game of the year against the Thunder, and they just lay an absolute egg. You know, that, that doesn't do them any favors either. they, they got to take care of home court. It's, it's, it's very intriguing that they've been a better road team this year. Uh, well, for the most part, at least until the last couple of weeks, than a home team. Yeah, that, 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 that ties into something earlier in the season where I think a lot of people weren't really buying into this team because this team just played with no energy and effort, and you could almost tell if the Pelicans were going to win a game or not basically by did the Pelicans give a shit and give a damn about it, and if they didn't, they weren't going to play, and it's really tough to root for a team like that. Yeah, I mean, they have 23 home wins, which is ninth in the Western Conference, right? So you know, winning home games will certainly help. Again, not a magic pill, and I think they're close. But and I was, I was, when I wrote that article and talked about this all week on my show, I was trying to ruffle some feathers. Like, I just think we need to have a recalibration. Uh, the hardcore fans I'm talking about, right? There's tons of casual basketball fans, but if you're listening to this podcast and you're listening to my show during the week, like, we're kind of hardcore basketball fans. And I think that accountability – with the entire organization and Anthony Davis kind of starts with us. Like we, we just got to hold them to that standard. We can't be okay with them, you know, sneaking into the eighth seed, then just getting swept and, and routed by the Rockets or the seventh seed and the Warriors, right? It's going to take more than that. that by the way, that's not going to be a success for me. If they get the eighth or seventh seed and they're four and done against one of those clubs, no way. That's not a success. No, I don't think most people are going to find, uh, you know, it's nice to get two home games and that's it. And then nothing's really changed for the fortunes of this franchise. So you've said accountability a lot, and we'll end on this. Do you think they have the right structure, say, from top to bottom now, Gail Benson as the owner through Mickey Loomis to Dell Demps to Alvin Gentry? Because a lot of fans do worry that this team is kind of that, like, second stepchild to the Saints. And is that a way you build a winning organization? Or do they maybe need to do some type of different structure up at the top? No, I, I think that's a completely fair criticism. It really is. And remember, because they're the least profitable franchise in the league, they do have to do some inventive things, right? It's tough for them to hire somebody else to come in here and be president. Maybe not hard, but they look at it from a financial perspective, I'm sure, and say, hey, Mickey can do both of these things. We all know Mickey's a football guy. He'll tell you he's a basketball guy, too. And, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, all of his focus right now, or, or a lot of it, is on the NFL draft and scouting and getting ready for that. So, I think that's completely fair. Um, I also think that ownership and uh, the front office, they're, they're in a little bit of a unique situation because of the market size here, because of the relative lack of profitability of this franchise, right? They got to keep it running in the black. So I do think it would be 
wise and it would be ideal if they restructured that front office. But I also don't know if that's realistic right now. So yeah, would I like to see it happen? Yes. Do I think it's going to happen? No. No, Jake, I don't. Yeah, I, I think that's the general consensus is things are just going to stay exactly as they are on that side of thing. But it probably does need to have a bit of a shakeup there. So, Seth, thanks so much. This was fun turning the tables on you here. And we're going to have to do this again soon here on Locked on Pelicans, but also on double coverage. Again, let everyone know where to listen, how to listen, the times and all of that, and where to follow you on social media. Yeah, WWL Radio, 105.3 FM, 870 AM. We're on all the apps, so if you just have a phone, you can listen to us 8 to 11 midnight. We're also podcast version. And Seth Dunlap on Twitter. And I will say to everybody listening, the hardcore fans that have been railing against me, that's fine. I I love the disagreement, and I love that we're all, you know, hardcore Pelicans fans here. And I think our passion, hopefully, will breed into, you know, some accountability and success for this franchise. That's all I want. Yeah, I think everyone would definitely be happy with that. So thanks again, Seth. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Appreciate it. We'll, we'll see you, and uh, you can come uh, lose to me in trivia or something. Two-minute drill again. I, so, hold on. We're not going to end. I'm not, I was about to, like, <laughs> click the off button. I go on a show one time, and when you have guests on, do you do that every time with a guest? Uh, we do. So, so, Scott Alexander, he completely wiped the floor with me the other week. Well, okay, so you do it every time, and I go on one time, and I think I was playing against Tim, and I beat Tim or I lost it to him. It was something, barely. <laughs> and then I go on to co-host with Seth another time. I'm in studio there. And he's like, yeah, Jake's never beaten me here in a two-minute drill. And I was like, wait a second. You're just slandering me here on the air, putting down my, my sports trivia IQ. When I, we never even played. And then I think I beat you on a tiebreaker in you that did. one. Yeah, exactly. No, okay. you did. You, you actually, the one, the one time we actually faced off, you actually won. So you're yeah, right. Yeah, it was you're a right. tiebreaker. tiebreaker. See? So undefeated here, I guess. <laughs> all right man this is right, great i'll again. do it anytime this is fun thanks again to my guest seth dunlap make sure you follow him on twitter at seth dunlap and also don't forget to like subscribe and listen monday through friday to the locked on nba podcast recap everything going on around the nba and the association it's going to be a final hectic crazy week of the season so make sure you know what's going on So in the Eastern Conference, there was some news that really might shake up their playoff race a little bit with the news that Kyrie Irving is going to be out for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs. Here, we got a guest quick little spot here to try and talk about that because that is going to impact potentially who makes it to the NBA Finals. John Corrales here from Lockdown Celtics to talk about the breaking Kyrie Irving injury news. He is going to have surgery on his left knee to remove screws that were implanted in 2015 when he fractured his patella. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago, he had surgery on that same knee to remove a supporting wire that was also part of that same injury. Now what they have found is an infection at the site of the screws. So they're going back in. They're going to take the screws out. They're going to clear up the infection. The Celtics say his knee is structurally sound, but it's going to take four to five months for everything to recover and for him to get back to playing basketball. The Celtics' focus has always been on next season, especially after the Gordon Hayward injury, but now they definitely will not have Kyrie Irving back for the playoffs. After the initial surgery, they had thought maybe he'd return at some point in the first or second round. Now that is out. So the immediate impact for the Boston Celtics is Terry Rozier is probably going to move into the starting point guard role, a role that he has served well for the Celtics so far in Kyrie's absence and in Marcus Smart's absence. They hope to get Marcus Smart back at some point in the first round. 
he's got he's had that thumb surgery to repair a torn tendon. So hopefully for the Celtics that he comes back, but immediately they will not have Kyrie Irving for this playoff run. It's going to be tough getting out of the first round for the Celtics. If they do and they get to a second round, that's going to be especially difficult. So I'm sure teams are going to start lining up hoping to play the Celtics in that second round. That specifically would be Cleveland. Long term, they say the knee is structurally sound and they hope to start next season with a healthy Gordon Hayward and a healthy Kyrie Irving. And the Celtics' priority has always been that. So... We'll see how that goes, but right now there's no further damage. It's not another injury. It's not a separate thing. It's all part of the same thing to clear up what they had done to fix his knee in 2015, and this should remove every apparatus that was in there, and once that's out and healed and the infection is gone, Kyrie Irving should be good to go. We'll see. That's the breaking news. I'm John Corrales from Locked On Celtics. And finally, Pels play the Suns tonight. We're not going to do a preview on this because uh, who really cares? I think the Suns are resting a number of players as they should be. There's no real point, and their season's kind of done. They specifically want to lose. Then on Saturday night, the Pelicans take on the Golden State Warriors. Who knows who they're going to play? Like I said, I think they're going to be playing people. I think this is the one loss we have all penciled in for the remainder of the regular season. But we'll see how it goes. So thank you all for listening to Locked on Pelicans. That's going to do it for this week. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all, and after this game Friday and the game Saturday, I'm going to be back with you all on Monday to recap it. We'll talk about where the Pelicans stand in the playoff race.